Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 657 for the 25th of August, 2019. This week, powerful features and low cost are rarely features of a single computer application. Normally, you get one or the other, but software developer Serif is trying to provide both in its new series of Affinity products. In short circuits, Adobe has added several new features to its photographic applications and updated many others. The result is one you will like. If you'd like to frighten yourself unnecessarily, have your Wi-Fi router send a copy of its latest status report to you. And in spare parts, only on the website, small improvements can make big differences in your photographs. I'll show you one that's both easy and dramatic. If you have some old computer gear that's no longer in service, taking it for a short drive to Newark next weekend would be a good idea. Powerful features and low cost are rarely features of a single computer application. Normally, you get one or the other. Software developer Serif is trying to provide both in its new series of Affinity products. Affinity Publisher was reviewed here in mid-July. You'll find a link to that review on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And although I described the photo and designer applications in 2017, now seemed to be a good time to give them another look. Founded in 1987, Serif created a series of low-cost photo and publishing applications. Page Plus was a page layout application for Windows 3. Draw Plus, Photo Plus, and several other Plus products were added. A U.S. company acquired Serif in 1996, but sold it back to the original owners in 2001. Since then, they've been working on the Affinity line, and although the old applications are still available for purchase, they are no longer being developed or maintained. The three current applications are Affinity Designer, a vector design application similar to Adobe Illustrator and CorelDRAW, Affinity Photo, with features similar to those found in Adobe Lightroom and Photoshop, as well as Corel Photo Paint, and Affinity Publisher, a page layout application. Designer and Photo run on Windows, Mac OS, and iOS. Publisher is limited to Windows and Mac OS computers. So let's take a quick look at Affinity Photo. Anybody who's used a modern photo editing application will recognize some parts of the Affinity Photo interface immediately, Eh, but may be a little perplexed by some of the other parts. Familiar-looking tools appear on the left side of the workspace, context-sensitive functions appear near the top of the screen, and a space for adjustments is on the right. At the top of the screen, though, there are five buttons for Persona settings. Persona settings? Here are the five you'll find up there. Photo. That's where you'll find the usual photo editing tools. Fills, brushes, blur, text, things like that. It is the default persona if you open a standard image file, such as a JPEG. Next is Liquify. This persona makes it possible to change an image's perspective or to warp it. Third is Develop. That's the default if you open a raw image, but you can also use it to modify JPEG images. Many of the tools are similar to what you would expect to find in an application such as Adobe Lightroom. 
Fourth is tone mapping. That's the persona used to create high dynamic range images if you have multiple images, or to add HDR-like effects to a single RAW or even a single JPEG image. And last is export. Possibly the most remarkable of the personas, this one makes it possible to export multiple versions of one image simultaneously. Unlike applications that store image modifications of RAW files in either an associated database, write them to a DNG file, or create a sidecar file, Affinity Photo creates an entirely new file that will be at least as large as the original file and possibly several times the size of that RAW file. Adjustment layers ensure that changes are non-destructive, a feature called in-painting works much like content-aware fill, and undo information can be saved with the image so that users can return to an image and delete previously made changes to restore a previous version. Affinity has a series of videos, a long series, in fact, that introduce the application and explain its operation. More than 150 videos in a wide variety of categories cover everything from opening and saving, layers, adjustments, filters, and exporting, to high dynamic range, live editing, and focus merging. Most of the videos are 10 minutes or less in length, so they're easy to watch, and they clearly explain how a specific feature works. Affinity Photo has no way to organize images and view thumbnails. Adobe Lightroom handles that task natively. Photoshop uses Bridge. Affinity depends on the operating system or a third-party organizer. So this is still very much a work in progress. It has a lot of potential, particularly once the developers create some sort of image management function. And then there's Affinity Designer. Not everybody likes the software-as-a-service model as used by companies such as Adobe and Microsoft, despite the advantages of that system. Adobe's fees, for example, are less for Creative Cloud than a user would pay to upgrade every year, and it also makes new features available immediately. Perpetual licenses mean that users upgrade only when they want to, and the subscription model ensures that all users are on the same version. Both business models have advantages and disadvantages. As with Affinity Photo, the designer product has a Persona toolbar, Several other toolbars are present, and most will be familiar to users of similar programs. The Persona toolbar has three options, Draw, Pixel, and Export. And these are what allow the user to switch from one overall set of tools to another with a single click. New projects begin in the Draw Persona, and it's where most users will probably spend most of their time, because it's where the tools exist to create or edit vector objects. The Pixel Persona opens up additional editing tools that work at the individual pixel level. Brushes and retouching tools, for example. And the Export Persona will be the final step. It's used to send the image to other applications for use. Affinity Designer can import and export projects from Photoshop. Illustrator files can also be placed in new design documents or opened for editing and scalable vector files, SVG, are also supported. Designer and Photo are priced at $50 for Windows and Mac OS, $20 for iPad. Publisher is priced at $50, available only for Windows and Mac OS. If you'd like more information, check out the Serif website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com.
In short circuits, last week's spare parts included a short note about updates to Adobe's photo applications. This week, we'll take a closer look because several of the updates are ones you will want to know about. Lightroom Classic and Adobe Camera Raw can now export files in PNG format. That's an important format, particularly for Facebook and other web-based images, and it's helpful to have a quick and easy way to export a PNG, or ping. I'll call it ping from now on. It's a feature that users have been requesting for years. Previously, the user would need to open a file in Photoshop and then choose the export option for ping. Now the task can be accomplished without leaving Lightroom Classic or Adobe Camera Raw. Each of the possible export file formats has positive and negative qualities. Fortunately, now users have a full range of choices. There's JPEG, the Joint Photographic Experts Group. Smallest possible file size, but at the cost of some quality. These are commonly used on websites. Then there's the Photoshop document, PSD, or Tagged Image File Format, TIFF. These are large files. They can support layers. They're usually used to transfer images from one developer to another. They are not used on the web because they are huge. Then there's PING, the Portable Network Graphics. These files are considerably larger than JPEGs, but full image quality is maintained and the format supports transparency. And finally, Digital Negative, or DNG. These are the largest possible files because they contain the maximum amount of data. They're not used on the web, but they are used to transfer images from one developer to another. You may see faster operation, too. In the old days, processing was done only in the Central Processing Unit, or CPU. But Adobe started supporting the Graphics Processing Unit, or GPU, in Lightroom version 6. This month's update to Lightroom allows it to use higher-performance GPUs to get better and faster on-screen feedback. The flip side is that users have to have high-end GPUs in their computers. For Windows 10, that means a graphics card with DirectX 12 support, at least 2 gigabytes of video RAM, and a recent driver. Mac users need Mac OS 10.14 or later, a graphics card with Metal support, and at least 2 gigabytes of video RAM. Additionally, users need to select version 5 processing. That means you may need to update processing for some older files. Because computer manufacturers select from a wide variety of GPUs, you might find that the Performance tab on Preferences is set to Auto. That's the default. If you change the setting to Custom and always enable GPU processing, you'll see a clear improvement in response if the hardware supports it. If not, you may see some crashes. In that case, go back to the Auto setting. And if the hardware really doesn't support the function, you may need to turn it off entirely. Those kinds of situations have been reported, but they generally occur on much older systems that have been upgraded from Windows 7 and have GPUs with obsolete drivers. Merging a series of images to a panorama, or a high dynamic range image, or an HDR panorama, is a long and involved process even for a fast computer. If you have several groups of images, perhaps you have wished for an automated process. Well, your wish has been granted. It's now possible to select more than one stack of images and run the process on each stack 
without any additional intervention. It's important to note that you cannot mix HDR and panoramic merges in a single function, and it appears that the combined HDR pano merge isn't yet supported. It's still a time-saving feature for those who need to process a lot of images. Real estate agents come to mind here. Just select the stacks that you want to merge and select HDR or Panorama. You do that from the Photo, Photo Merge menu. And accidentally deleting an image from a computer is pretty easy to recover from. Just restore the image from the recycle bin. But on the cloud-based Lightroom system, you might have had a problem. Now, Lightroom for macOS, Windows, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and Lightroom.adobe.com all have a special deleted folder. When you delete a file, it goes to the deleted folder, stays there for 60 days. If you want to get it back, you can pull it out of the deleted folder. This works only on the device where you deleted the file if you're using one of the free apps. For Creative Cloud users, deleted files can be restored on any device. And of course, there's more. As usual, the update includes support for new cameras and lenses, bug fixes, and a bunch of important but less dramatic new features and improvements. If you're wondering how to get the update, you may already have it. If not, go to Help, Updates in one of the applications, or click the Update button in the Creative Cloud app and choose Check for Updates. Assuming you have a Wi-Fi router, you may have noticed that the router offers to maintain a log and email it to you occasionally. The log will contain a lot of information that can create some unnecessary alarm. How many households have Wi-Fi routers? Well, about 75% of homes with broadband internet access do have a router. The Lightman Research Group says about 82% of U.S. households have high-speed internet access. So 75% of 82% means about 62% of U.S. households do have a router. One or more computers may be hardwired to the router, but notebooks, tablets, televisions, and numerous other devices depend on Wi-Fi for access to the Internet. Of course, we've all heard about security issues with many of those devices that connect to the Internet, so maybe you've decided to have your router maintain a log and email it to you. Then you receive a file that looks something like what you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The highlighting on the website is all mine. The report itself is just plain old boring black text on a white background. But look what the report says. Line after line of DOS attack, SYNAC scan from source, and then some IP address on some port. Uh-oh, am I being attacked? Should I panic? Well, the answer is no and no. Panic is never wise, and decisions made in panic mode are often exactly wrong. If something catches fire on a stove, your first thought might be to douse the fire with water. But water makes the problem on a stove worse because it spreads the fire. Smothering the fire with a pan lid works much better, and it's what you'll do if you take just a moment to consider the situation. The computer equivalent of that involves finding out what the heck DOS attack sin slash ack scan from some particular source on some particular port means. A search engine will probably help, but first let's see who that IP address belongs to. 
The one in my example is 193.111.173.246. It is registered to someone in Ukraine. So now we should panic, right? Bear with me here. The answer is still no. What is that SYN-ACK scan thing? SYN, S-Y-N, scanning is a tactic that malicious hackers or crackers can use to determine the state of a communications port without establishing a full connection. That approach is one of the oldest in the repertory of crackers. It's sometimes used to perform denial-of-service attacks, which is why the router is reporting it as a DOS possibility. Yes, we do have a hostile attempt here, but the router caught it, and the router blocked it. The computer in Ukraine was just trying to set up a TCP IP connection, probably using every possible port. So in this case, the computer in Ukraine sent a synchronization, or SYN, packet. The creeps who want to gain access to your computer are legion. You can't stop them by changing your IP address because they're constantly sweeping through every possible IP address and port combination. That's right, there is nothing you can do. The router's firewall function has blocked the access. Your computer is not in danger. So in the inimitable words of Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. Unless you're an IT professional, those router logs might do more harm than good. There's nothing to fear in spare parts, not even fear itself, but you'll find it only on the website. This week, small improvements can make big differences in your photographs, and I'll show you one that's both easy and dramatic. And if you have some old computer gear that's no longer in service, taking it for a short drive to Newark next weekend would be a good idea. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.